Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining this week's message from Zoe Church, Los Angeles. We are concluding the series today that we've been in called Transformed by Grace, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to pull out five truths that we find in this chapter. And I want to thank every person that is journeying with us in the area of tithes and offerings, partnering with us to help get the message of Jesus around the world. If you'd like to begin to give, you can go to our website or text ZOE, Z-O-E, to 77977. I will shoot you a link. I also want to encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our messages. But let's jump into this week's message. It's titled, Test Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. We are concluding today a series that we have uh, been in called Transformed by Grace. And I'm excited to conclude this series because it has been a monumental series for our church. And we've been studying the difference between living under the law and living under grace. And I want to encourage you that you are no longer under the tyranny of the Old Testament law to fulfill its obligations and to live under shame if you don't. But you are now, by the grace of Jesus, you are under the canopy or the umbrella of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, God knew that you and I could never live up to the standard of the law. So Jesus paid the price of our sin so that you and I could be found righteous in the eyes of God. And I'm grateful today that today I've got confidence and I've got boldness and I've got identity, not because of my works, but because of my belief. So if you're wondering what Zoe's about, Zoe, Zoe Church, What's Zoe about? We're about grace. Now, let me just say this as a disclaimer. Most people, when I talk about grace, think that grace is a license to sin. Grace does not mean I can go out and live however I want, but God forgives me, so who cares? Grace is the opposite. When I receive grace, I receive two things. Salvation that is found in Christ. And then God gives me the Holy Spirit, which sanctifies me. In other words, his spirit lives in me, comforting me, convicting me, reminding me, leading me, and teaching me how not to live in sin. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful today for salvation and the Holy Spirit that is my leader and my guide. Come on, everybody clap together and thank God. I'm transformed by what? Grace, not works, not religion. Not by do-goodism, moral behavior, how hard I go. No, I'm transformed by right believing leads to right behaving. Don't ever get worried about your behavior. Get worried about your belief. Because if you believe right, you'll think right. And if you think right, you'll live right. That's what he's saying here. That's what this book, uh, Galatians, is, is, is all about. And Paul's writing to this church that he planted over kind of modern-day Turkey. And he's writing to this church, and and they've been stooped. They've been bamboozled into leaving grace to add some works. And so they're mixing in grace plus works. I talked about it last week. Church, it's either one or the other. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It can't be what God did plus what you do. It's all Jesus. 
And so he's telling them, no, 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 why, why you were running such a good race? And why, why did you stop doing that? And no, no, go back to, to Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. And life is all about the cross. And don't, do, don't go back. Don't go back to that. You ever have a friend that was doing good and they go back to being dumb? And you're like, why are you, come on, man. The Chargers ain't never going to win. Why are you doing that? Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, the Cowboys. Come on, man. <laughs> then you walk up into Arizona, you get whooped. Come on, man. Last, last weekend, I was trying to preach. There was three Cowboy jerseys in the service. Like these little demons just sitting in the service. It's <laughs> the enemy just trying to mess with my mind. Got to cast them out. He's saying, don't go, don't go back to that old way. No, follow Jesus, serve Jesus. So he writes this beautiful argument in chapters 1 through 4. In chapters 5 and 6, he gets to practical living. How do we practically live for Jesus? I think this is the aim of our community, is to not be Sunday Christians, but to live for Jesus every single day. The aim of our life is to get up tomorrow and love God just as, by the way, you ain't going to have a screen tomorrow either, okay? So to love God as much as we can every single day to the best of our ability. So in chapters 5 and 6, he starts teaching us practical ways on how to serve God and follow God and be who God has called us to be. I like chapter 6. I want to preach a message today. Chapter 6, I'm going to bring you five truths out of this chapter. And so I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time in each truth, but all of them are very palpable and very capable for our lives today. And so I'm going to give you the title of my message because it's kind of what the chapter is about. Chapter 6 is this. Write down the title. Test yourself before you wreck yourself. Test your, I want to say check yourself before you wreck yourself. But test yourself. Take a test today. Test yourself before you wreck yourself. you got to test yourself to make sure you're doing right and living the way God wants you to live. This is, I was going to read an opening scripture, but it won't come up, so let's just jump into the points. Chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught up in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Write down number one. Restore people gently. The first thing he says, you who are spiritual, restore people gently. And I like this because it speaks to the God of restoration. That God doesn't throw away broken things. He restores broken things. And I know that because he restored me. How about you? And I'm grateful when I was broken and when I was lost, God didn't toss me to the curb. He came and he brought me and he put me back together again. That's why he's the potter and I'm the clay. And because God is a God of restoration, by the, the Greek word here actually means to mend nets or to set right broken bones. And I love this about God. If you've got a broken heart or a broken mindset or a broken relationship or a broken life, good news, God specializes in broken things. He does his best work with broken people. And he says, you who are spiritual. So let's just be honest. Today, are you spiritual? Because I think God is always building you up stronger so you can't just flex and be like, bad out. 
aren't I spiritual. God is building you up to be so spiritually strong that you can go into somebody's world and restore them. You are blessed to be a blessing. You who are spiritual, I want to encourage you, your spirituality is not for a flex contest. Your spirituality is not so you can put something on a bumper sticker on your Instagram bio. Your spirituality is so you can go into the world and you can bless people, serve people, love people, encourage people, and build people up. You who are spiritual, restore gently those that are falling. I like the word gentle. It also speaks to Galatians 5, last chapter that we studied, the gentleness of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say you who are spiritual, restore harshly. Criticize them and ridicule them. Point out their sin and even post it online. Tell people how awful they are and you will get them back with God. It, it, it freaks me out, people that like coaches that yell at them. You ever see some coach is just like in somebody's face and he's just, yeah, just yelling at somebody. And, and it's like, and the player's like, I just, I need that kind of coach. I respond to that. And I'm like, you got a lot of trauma, man. <laughs> coach gets in my face and he just tells me how much I suck. It's just like, man, that just, whoa, that does it for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're going to have a tough future. He didn't say, you who are spiritual, get in their face and tell them what a sinner they are and how messed up they are and how broken and how much they need God. He said, you who are spiritual, restore gently the one that has fallen. Restore them gently. There's a gentleness. By the way, I cannot restore someone that doesn't want to be restored. I cannot help somebody that doesn't want help. So if you're going to restore somebody, the first sign that you can't even have the opportunity to restore is repentance. Because when someone repents, then we can restore. But if there's no repentance, there's no restoration. I want to just declare at our church, anybody can recover from anything at our church as long as they repent. As long as you see repentance in somebody's life, God brings restoration. But until there's repentance, there's no restoration. And it says, you who are spiritual, restore gently the one that has fallen. Restore them gently. Have a gentle restoration. Wouldn't it be nice if you fell and you made a mistake and God could restore you overnight? What is it about us Christians? We want God to work in our microwave timeline. God doesn't work in microwaves. He works in crockpots. He lets it simmer. He lets it sit. He lets it get all the ingredients. God's not in a rush if he's restoring you. God's not in a hurry. But you can look back year to year and see, God brought me out of this. God brought me out of that. I'm thinking better. I'm believing better. I'm living better. I'm serving better. I'm happier. I got more peace. I got more joy because God's been what? Restoring me. Could it be that God wants to use you to restore somebody? Could it be that God wants to use your car and your house and your time and your money to restore somebody's life and build them back up to where they never thought they could get back? Oh, I just love that you who are spiritual restore gently the one that is fallen. And he says, be careful. Be careful lest you fall into the same temptation. Translation, just because you're spiritual today doesn't mean you won't fall tomorrow. 
Just because you got all your stuff in a row today doesn't mean you are given so easily to be strong tomorrow. Be careful lest you fall into the same temptation. He's saying while you're restoring, don't come with a spirit of haughtiness or pride or going like, I'm all that. No, do your best to stay humble. Do your best to stay strong. Do your best to stay away from temptation. And God will use you to bring restoration. Oh, we're, we're only in the first two verses, and I'm already fired up. You who are spiritual, restore gently the one that has fallen, and be careful lest you fall into the same temptation. So the first thing that he says is, hey, be careful, be careful. You've been called to bring a ministry of reconciliation and restore people that are broken and prove to them that God hasn't changed his mind about them. God is for them. God is with them. God is in love with them, and God wants to help them. Amen? Oh, I love that thought. Write down the second thought in chapter six. He says, number two, you reap what you sow. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm in, I'm in three. It's the screens. Uh, I, I, write down number two, test yourself. Uh, chapter six, verse four, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can do with your own life. I love this. He's saying, test yourself. Make a careful look at your life. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't be impressed with others. Ah, I like those two thoughts right there. This is good language. I shouldn't be impressed with me, and I shouldn't be impressed with you. There's an old hymn that says, turn your eyes onto Jesus. And I'm telling you, your life is best lived with your eyes on God, not your eyes on you. Don't get your eyes on others. Get your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. How is God going to partner with you if you're not looking to him? The first thing I look at is Jesus, not even me. He says, don't get your eyes on yourself and don't get your eyes on them, but test yourself. Test yourself. Make sure you test yourself. Test yourself to see, am I really doing good? Paul, in another, in another letter, he says, examine yourself, which when I read constantly, I, I read exam and test, immediately I start twitching because I, I don't like exams or tests. Somebody say amen. I, I only like tests in class when I was growing up, if I was sitting next to smart people. That's the only time. But I never enjoyed when you'd sit down in class and like, okay, take out your pen and your paper. Today we are taking a test. What? Oh, excuse me, what? We're going to take a test today. We're going to take a test. We're going we're to test and see your knowledge. We're going to test and see how you're doing. He, Paul is telling you and I here, hey, let's test you and let's see, let's examine your life most of us are so busy studying the life of others that we fail, we neglect seeing how we're doing. How's your faith? How's your soul? How's your relationships? How's your screens? Stop judging my screen. Your screen's broke too. He says, test yourself. Test yourself. When was the last time you sat down with a pen and paper? When was the last time you sat down and go, how am I really doing? How, how's my soul? How's my faith? How's my world? How's my mindset? How's my thinking patterns? How's my self-view? You know, nothing impacts 
your performance more than your self-view. How am I living this life? How am I following God's plan? He says, examine yourself. Test yourself. He is trying to make sure, guys, how did you get to leave from the gospel of grace to going back to the law? You did this. You slid because you weren't testing yourself. Isn't it so crazy how fast you and I can get off track and drift off into this, that, and the other because we haven't been testing ourselves? I don't know if you, if you remember, but remember when COVID started? Remember back in the day when COVID started? Remember when COVID started and you took your first couple tests and you went to some place, you had to go to some thing and you, you're in somebody's proximity and you got tested? The first few COVID tests, it's like... And I spent two and a half minutes after the test, one nostril, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. And my face must have looked insane because they're up in my nostrils and I'm like... Because it's just like, this is the worst. But then after a while, did you ever get any at-home tests? And you knew how to give yourself a test? And I could be at home at my kitchen counter just swabbing it up. Just, I could look, I could make eye contact with you, have a convo. No blink, just, what's up? Testing myself, it's fine. Like, some of us, the problem is you think you've got a spouse or a friend, they're going to test you. How's your, how, how's your purity? How's your tithing? How's your serving? How you doing? No, no, you got to get to the place where you're comfortable with testing you. I'm happy to look in the mirror and go, how am I really doing? Am I the man or the woman God's called me to be? Am I walking in the will of God for my life? Am I being the person that God put a vision and a dream and a demand on my life? Test yourself, he says. Some of us got to get past the point of getting examined by others. You don't need some coach in your grill. You need to sit down with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit run through your life. That's why Psalm 139, David said, search me, try me, test me, know me. And if there's anything in my life that offends you, point it out. Get to the place where you test yourself before you what? Wreck yourself. He goes, guys, you've wrecked your whole life. Because you didn't take a test back here that's going to guard you from getting into sin or getting into works or getting into some. Some of us have lost our way because we lost our test. You can either go buy at CVS an at-home test today and get back to looking in the mirror. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to what? Change your ways, bro. Grow up. When you were a child, you spoke like a child, but you're a man now. It's time to be a man. It's time to put selfish, childish things away and walk in the call of God. Come on, Miguel. Come on, Westside. Come on, let's thank God. I can test my life. And then right down number three, I love this. You reap what you sow. This is our, 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 our church. You got to know this verse. Our church was founded on these scriptures. This is my favorite verses in all of the Bible. These are my life verses right here. Chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. He says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Zoe life. He who sowed, do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. I love that part. Let's just pause right there. For do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. What the Bible is saying is stop blaming God for where you're at. Stop making excuses. Well, you know, God did this and God did that and God and no. Uh. 
And he's saying, do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. Do not, the only thing that's worse than being deceived by somebody else is self-deception. Thinking you're better than you are. Thinking you're in a place that you're not. The only thing worse than being deceived by somebody else is being deceived by yourself. He says, do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. Watch this, for whatever a man sows, that he shall. So you reap what you so he says, and the man that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So if you sow to your spirit animal and your spirit side and the Jesus side, you are going to have a harvest of what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. The man that sows to the flesh will reap. You'll have an abundance of what? Corruption. What kind of corruption? Corrupt soul, corrupt mind, corrupt relationships, corrupt money, corrupt behavior. You reap what you what? So, so stop acting like you should have a different harvest than what you've sown. Stop blaming God for your harvest. Some, some, some of us get so upset, we want to blame God for everything. Should be so much further in life. Should have so much. It should be in a totally different place. God's like, hey, ha, huh? hey, hey. You reap what you sow. That's why I've always held on to that proverb. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. If I want a big old harvest, I gotta throw a lot of seed. And so I want to encourage you to be encouraged today by the power of God's kingdom and his word that we're going to have a harvest in our life. The harvest is going to look beautiful and you're going to have a harvest of joy and relationships and unity and blessing and legacy and favor. And you're going to look at your harvest and you go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I never really focused on my harvest. I just focused on my seed. And I kept sowing seeds of encouragement and seeds of love and seeds of joy and seeds of blessing and seeds of finance and seeds of faith. And God, come on, clap today if you're grateful. God grew my life. You reap what you... Why do we have Zoe Church? Because we've been sowing in L.A. and sowing on the west side and sowing in L.A. and sowing in America and sowing in mission trips and sowing in young people and sowing in Zoe Kids and sowing in Zoe Music. And we got to harvest because you reap what you what? So I want to encourage you, stop focusing on your need, focus on your seed. God has put something good in your hand and good in your heart. Keep sowing, keep blessing, keep helping, and the harvest will be plentiful. Oh, he keeps on. Do not be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that he shall reap. For the man that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. The man that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap zoe life. Then he continues. Watch what he says in the next scriptures. In fact, write down the next one. If you don't quit, you win. Verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us not become weary in doing good. Do not become weary in doing good, for in due time you will reap a harvest. If you don't quit, you win. 
I want to encourage somebody today. Don't, I know you want to throw in the towel on being kind. I know you want to quit on generosity. I know you might be tired of serving, but if you don't quit, you'll win. You know how they say cheaters never prosper? Quitters never prosper. That's why the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 10, you have need of endurance. You need to persevere, keep giving, keep helping, keep going. You might be like, nobody sees what I'm going through. Nobody knows my sacrifice. Nobody knows how much I'm giving. God does. You're right. Maybe nobody else in the world does. But the Bible says in Colossians 3.23, everything we do, we do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. The man that writes your check, not your employer, the man that writes your check that is building your life is watching everything that you're doing. And he said, let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season, you're gonna reap a harvest. I wanna prophesy over somebody today, your harvest is around the corner. Just keep going, keep blessing, keep showing up, keep being that parent, keep being that person, keep being that friend and the harvest will come. You're getting me fired up. Do not grow weary in doing good. But every time I read that verse, I'm like, oh, that's me. Every time I read that scripture, I'm like, how did it know? Do not grow weary in doing good. I'm like, God, I want a nap. He's like, take a nap, get back up, go. Do not grow weary in doing good for in due season. Have you noticed that God's timeline is different than yours? The harvest that God has for your life is in his perfect timing. It's my privilege to keep sowing. It's his privilege to keep growing. In due season, you'll reap a harvest. And don't grow weary. If you don't quit, you'll win. I'll never forget the first time Julia ran a marathon. When we were married, she ran the New York City Marathon. Clap for Julia. She is our marathon runner of the family. She's run two. I've only run one. And so we flew over to New York City, and Julia was going to run the New York City Marathon. Through all five boroughs goes this marathon. And she was like, you want to run with me? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but I'll meet up with you as you go through the race. So Marathon Sunday was a cold Sunday in November. We get up early in New York, and she gets on her whole, you know, get up. And I get to the start, you know, with, sorry, I, I slept a little bit later. I met her at mile seven, and... Um, and, and so the whole time she ran the New York City Marathon, I would meet up with Julia to, like, encourage her and, and, you know, give her something to drink. So we met up, like, on mile 7, mile 14, mile 21. Every seven, very biblical, every seven miles. So mile 7, the first time I met up with Julia, and I don't know which borough we were in, but she was bouncy. I mean, mile 7, she's like, okay, this is great. <laughs> I feel great. Having so much fun. And, and so she'd keep running, and then mile 14, we met up, and she's like a little slower, but, you know, still kind of happy, you know, just a little achy, you know, they'll probably, it's 14 miles, a long run. Mile 21, she's looking at me, she's like, why didn't you run with me? You're so lazy. You're the worst. Should be with me. I have to run with Al Roker, because you, you're not here. True story. Anyways, but so, but I'll never forget when she finished the race. She's in Central Park. Thousands of runners, and she's calling me, and I'm calling her, and I'm trying. She finished, and I'm trying to find her, and I'll never forget because everybody they give everybody these bibs, and, and so everybody looks the same, and so I'm trying to find her, and then finally, like in the distance, I see my beautiful angel, and 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 I see her. I'm I've never seen 
such beauty in all my life. I mean, I was just, when I saw her, I'll never forget this moment. And I just started running to her. She didn't run to me. She's done. So I ran to her. And I, and I, I run to her and I pick her up and I'm whirling her around. And I'm like, I almost said, I almost went, we did it. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do it. I was just like, I just, I'm like, you did it. Oh my gosh, you did it. And she's crying and I'm crying and, and, and I just, I just had this moment. I had this moment of thinking when you finish your race and you make it to heaven and God opens up the gates and allows you in, I want God to look at us and say, you did it. You fought the good fight. You finished your race. You kept the faith. Come on, if you don't quit, you're going to win. Come on, everybody clap today. I'm not throwing in the towel on my faith. I'm not quitting on my church. I'm not quitting on my calling. I'm not quitting on the dream in my heart. I'm not quitting on what God put in me. As long as I, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Worship team, come join me. Here's the last one today. You gotta be crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. Galatians 6, verses 14 and 15. For my part, this is the message translation. For my part, I am going to boast about nothing but the cross of our master, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world, set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. Can't you see the central issue in all this? It is not what you and I do. Submit to circumcision, reject circumcision. It's not about that. It is what God is doing and what he is creating, something totally new, a free life. You remember growing up, you know, when you get like a, like a love note from somebody or you get a letter? I like intros and conclusions. You lost me in the middle. The intro, hey, what's up? Conclusion, get, 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 give me the, the best stuff in the conclusion. And he says in the conclusion of the letter at the very end, I want to remind you what I said in chapter two. In chapter two, the most important scripture in all of this book, chapter two, verse 20. He said in chapter two, verse 20, let me remind you, I'm asking every one of us, our whole church to memorize this one. In fact, I was just in Missouri and a guy said he's been following along with us from Missouri, this, this series. And he said, I've been following this series from Missouri. And he said, you keep saying my life verse, Galatians 2.20. I want everybody to remember this. Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of Man who gave his life for me as a ransom. I've been crucified. He echoes it again as he ends his letter in chapter six. I have been crucified with Christ. He's, he adds, I didn't just get crucified. I crucified my life to the world and all of its passions and everything it wants. I don't live for this world. This world is not my home. This world has nothing to offer me. This world is not my place. I'm a citizen of a greater place. And so no matter what trials and tribulations and earthquakes and famines and diseases and wars, no matter what I face, this world is not my home. I'm going to a better place. So I crucified this world and I crucified my ego and I live for Jesus. Have you gotten there? Have you gotten there? I used to use this line, you ain't living till you start giving. And as I've been studying this 
beautiful book of the Bible? I keep thinking, you ain't living till you start dying. Have you died yet today? Have you died today? Jesus said, unless a man pick up his cross daily and deny himself, he cannot be my follower. You know, it's a new day. It's a perfect day to die again. Die to my dream and die to my agenda and die to my ego. Die to what I want so I can live for what God wants. It's a perfect day to say no to my will and say yes to his. Amen to that. He says at the end, crucified with Christ, crucified with Christ. Whenever I read this language, it reminds me of growing up in church. And when I was growing up in church, I used to love altar calls when they bring everybody to the front. And I loved to come to the altar, especially as a teenager when I really started to follow Jesus. I loved to come to the altar and just sing, sing over and over and just be at the altar and just tell God, I'll live for you, I'll serve you, my life is yours. I just love to be at the altar. And I like the idea of the altar because in the Old Testament, they would bring animals to the altar. And they would sacrifice dead animals and bring them before the Lord as a sacrifice for their sin. But in the New Testament, this is what Paul's saying, we don't bring animals to the altar, we bring us to the altar. We don't kill some calves and some lambs to bring them to God. We kill our dreams and our egos and bring them to God. And we say, I'm dead. It's not me that's living, it's you that's living through me. Just believe in that for your life. Test yourself before you wreck yourself. You could wreck yourself. I mean, I figure if we're going to live one time, we might as well live for something bigger than us. I read this quote yesterday by Coach Prime, Colorado Buffaloes, biggest story in college football. He said, I tried women and cars and jewelry and partying. I tried everything and it left me empty. But then I tried Jesus. And what I was looking for the whole time was found in God. Come on, anybody thankful today? He's everything I want. He's everything I need.